fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Welcome to episode number 42 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Rotor Street himself. We're coming off a red-hot week six. Uh, we are waiting for the Monday night game, which is a kind of a dud, but I mean, you might have Aaron Rodgers or something. We got Green Bay and Washington, but we're going to hit you with some risers, some fallers, some penny stocks uh, as early as we can. We're probably going to release this thing tonight. It's Monday night, of course. And, you know, hopefully get you off to a good start on the fantasy beat. I mean, we're, we're trying to pave the way, right? We're trying to be your lead blocker, right? What better way to do it than put out a Monday podcast um, and give you some insights? How you doing, Wolf? I'm doing fantastic. As you said last week, everything just feels better, tastes better, uh, sex is better, whatever. Everything is better when you have a fantasy win or when you're high, but more so when you have a fantasy win. And this is week, I, it's one of those weeks where you have the rare just locked up by even the four o'clocks. I kind of had this one in the bag. Haven't had that type of eased in, just relaxed feelings, enjoying the Patriots games, even though I was uh-huh. facing Gordon. I mean, unless Gordon had 70, I was going to be okay because I have a home. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. Just a beautiful feeling. And what a game, too, by the what way. What a great Sunday game. Night. One of the best games I've seen in years. I mean, honestly, exactly. great game. Yeah. And, you exactly. know, I'm in a situation where, you know, ordinarily I would be pulling diehard against the Patriots. But I found myself in a situation, and of course this is due to fantasy, where I actually was, I mean, you know, it kind of makes me feel dirty now that I think about it. But I was involved <laughs> in one of the biggest, uh, most anxiety-ridden heavyweight tilts in my hometown league. That was just completely neck and neck and mm. was decided. I mean, it was like we were just right next to each other. Total shootout. We were, I think, the second and third highest scores in our league. Yeah. And uh, I put the game away on Gronk's catch with 30 seconds to go. Oh, my God. That was and a beautiful throw. Beautiful catch. I mean, it was, it was just so tense. Like every, It was mm-hmm. like my stomach was just in knots the whole time. I mean, it was. Yeah. And I pulled it out, and I'm, I'm so glad. I went three and one. But that nice. was obviously the one that I cared the most about. We got some serious uh, top-heavy action going on in the RSJ League. You mm-hmm. mean Keegs? I keep yeah. winning and blowing people out, and my spot isn't going up. And so right, I'm exactly. a little bit like concerned with that. It's because Jimmy's <laughs> just getting all the losses. Exactly, just getting pumbled week in and week out. Right. But no, no, it was no a losses beautiful for anyone else. game. Good socks win. So I mean, sports, real life wise, the sports world is great. Fantasy wise, coming off a must win situation. Uh, so now I'll, I'll rise up to about eighth or ninth. Continue that clawing out of the basement. Uh, you know, nothing more dangerous than a wolf on the hunt. A wolf that's hungry with his back against the wall. So right. hoping to make a heroic comeback. That's the, that's the best titles when you you really claw your way out. So, All right. Well, in your in your Fez league, I'm pulling for you. I I hope that you'll fall on your face in the RSJ League, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right, we're going to hit you with some risers right off the bat. Uh, We got about five of those. Then we're going to hit you with a couple fallers, and then we're going to give you a couple penny stocks to think about. There's been guys like, you know, on the waiver wire just about every week, if you're paying attention, and of course the Wolf pays an awful lot of attention that you could take a stab at. You know, they're called penny stocks because they're a long shot, but these are guys that could be impact guys that could turn your team around. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're borderline playoffs, man, one of these guys could make the difference. So stick around to the end. This can be a pretty quick podcast. We usually go about 25 minutes or so on these Monday shows. All right, we're going to start right off. 
with our risers, Corey Clement. And this happened on Thursday. We actually got mm-hmm. to see the Eagles go. He stays his claim to the number one running back duties in the Eagles' explosive offense. Obviously, Jay Ajayi going down. We are not sure between Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement. Uh, Clement definitely had the better game. Absolutely. Even though he was out touched, yep. uh, eighteen to fourteen or nineteen to fourteen rather, Clement still outperformed him by a, a long shot. Sixty-nine total yards in the score, whereas uh, Small was just a paltry fifty-one scoreless yards. Two point eight eight. Yeah, it, it, awful performance from him. Uh, and, and Corey Clement, you know, people were worried. Well, he got out snapped, he got out touched, but that was by design. He entered the game on a pitch count and then made those limited <laughs> touches really matter. It just looked like the more complete back was in on all the, the receiving downs, got the goal line work. So all the valuable stuff you really care about fantasy wise, Clement earned. And this offense obviously is clicking much more with Wentz, fresh off another 20 fantasy point day. The guy's about four straight now since his return. So, I mean, he's on fire. This offense is really rounding in to form, and Clement seems like he's going to be the one that really benefits out of it. It will still be a timeshare. Smallwood will still get his 12 to 15 touches every week, but it seems like his are going to be those less valuable in between the 20s, You know, not the receiving work, not the goal line stuff. That's all Clement. And moving forward, a low-end RB2 flex with upside to be even more if he can kind of stake a major claim on the rest of this work, but love him as the, the much more valuable half of this committee. Alright, fair enough. Jameis Winston bombs the Falcons, confirms his QB1 upside and I want to take a second to acknowledge I, I bet the Wolf uh, Philip Rivers over Winston this week, and actually it was it was pretty even until I like kind of mm-hmm. the end. Rivers got picked off, and then I kind of looked at Winston, and he had somehow gotten like twenty more points that I didn't realize that he had gotten. So it ended up not being close at all. So tip of the cap to the Wolf on that one. He thought Winston had a ton of upside last week. I thought maybe he was a little bit premature, but uh, let's talk about it. I mean, he definitely impressed. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, a couple of things you saw that you'd love to see. One, he was making all the throws, the accurate and the short to intermediate game, making a couple great deep deep throws. Obviously, too, though, the weapons cabinet that helped Ryan Fitzpatrick throw for over 400 yards nearly for four straight weeks until he got benched, uh, that that also was there for Jameis Winston, some, making some heroic catches from Evans and you know Deshaun Jackson just getting deep wide open. All those great things uh, it, were happening for Winston, too. So you love to see the weapons cabinet still operating. There's obviously some concern when Winston's career passer rating to wide receivers was the lowest 25th out of 25th since he started but he made some plays all over the field including to his tight ends including to his wide receivers so you love to see it you also love to see how horrendous that defense remains even out of the bye just god awful having to play catch-up mode that's why you saw you know you said Winston had 20 points really in the fourth quarter they had to just keep chucking the rock keep chucking the rock and he did delivering almost 400 yards just under it 395 uh, three touchdowns leading all QBs with 30.9 points points the guy blew up and that thinks that you know obviously Atlanta's horrendous defense helped out but more so than than not that defense that they have over there in Tampa Bay is so awful that they're going to constantly be playing catch up or from behind all that good stuff so Winston love the weapons love the arm he flashed and love that this defense remains just god awful he's going to be a solid QB1 the rest of the way out here Hmm. we'll see I, I don't trust the guy but I can't I can't disagree with what you're saying about his weapons cabinet and the fact that they're probably going to be down like a lot Mm-hmm. And that was certainly ingredients that lead to a good fantasy season. So maybe you're right. Maybe I should be giving him a little more credit. Number three on the risers list, Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz are clicking as both round into form. I would just like to say before you get into this, I took Alshon Jeffrey in the RSJ mock draft, and you gave me a little bit of a hard time about it. And you told me to justify it, and I basically said, like, he's going to be the number one receiver on a very good offense. When Wentz comes back, I have a hard time believing he's not going to produce. 
I know this was just kind of one big game, but I felt kind of validated by what I saw. As you should. I mean, it's number one offense in the explosive attack. Uh, number one weapon, sorry, in the explosive attack. He had that role last year, and it didn't amount to anything too earth-shattering. Uh, but then you look at how he's already performed in just three games back. It's may, way more dominant, way more consistently used than he ever was last year, which gives you a lot of up, uh, optimism moving forward with Alshon Jeffrey. So this this week, 8 of 12 targets. That's a season high on targets for him. 74 yards, two scores. Topping 20 fantasy points for the second time this year in only three games. He only did that twice last year in 16 contests, so he's already matched his 20 fantasy point output, uh, just completely dominating in that sense. And obviously, like as I mentioned earlier, Carson Wentz just seems like he's fully back in the play. Uh, he's you know making plays with his legs, buying extra time, and it was clearly Alshon Jeffrey, the guy he was looking for on a broken play, especially in that red zone. Two red zone touchdowns, which is what you love to see off that big body car, uh, for Alshon Jeffrey. Wentz, 276 three scores uh, uh, you know you gotta love that this offense is clicking you gotta love that Alshon Jeffrey has maintained a much more consistent you know high volume high fantasy output uh, you know role in this offense which just wasn't there last year it wasn't as consistent as we're seeing right now uh, so again only two contests so far over 20 but that's in three games right. so uh, you know it's leaning to me like this is gonna be a dominant alpha wide receiver one and you gotta be pretty stoked about it because he was falling to rounds eight or nine even by yeah. draft season because he had those early concerns but <laughs> Now he's looking like a stretch run difference maker, especially if you got him where all the shit's going. You got this guy. It's a fantastic pick, and I love him moving forward as a true wide receiver one you can trust. Yeah, I was playing a buddy of mine in another league, and we each had one guy going on Thursday. I had Wendell Smallwood. He had Alshon Jeffrey. The game was over by the end of Thursday night. Anyway, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and not in my favor. Uh, Doug Baldwin reemerges as Russell Wilson's top target. Uh, gosh, I'm skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love Doug Baldwin. I really do. Like, if he hadn't been hurt, I would have taken him early in one of my drafts that I actually took Amari Cooper in, which, I mean, shoot, I probably should have since he's, like, the worst <laughs> football player on the planet. Awesome. But uh, what do you think? I mean, do you think do you think he's got, like, the same heavy value we thought he did? I mean, isn't he playing on bad knees just kind of admittedly? There are definitely some red flags here, but I think that's why he makes a fantastic buy low. Your reaction was actually the same exact that CJ kind of <laughs> gave me when I brought this one up. So, and that's that's the reaction I'm kind of hoping for because it makes him a buy low yeah, of, right. of the best proportions. He's on a buy right now, so if you, you know you're sitting at four and two or even five and one or better, then maybe you, you take that hit and absorb it right now because I really do like Doug Baldwin's upside. You know, obviously brought the knees. There are some health concerns, but he looked fully healthy in this one, which is one thing I really wanted to see from him. We haven't seen it yet him looking fully healthy uh, but then I also like to see again the target share eight targets was double the next closest at four so six of eight 91 clearly leading the team but the other red flag everyone keeps bringing up is these run heavy scripts and it's very true that the Seahawks by far the most run heavy team it's actually dead yeah. even at 50 50 and even in the last two uh, games it's been 42 percent pass to over almost 60 percent run which is just insane in this modern day NFL you never see anything like that the Colts for context are throwing 80 percent of the time. Uh, so it's just insane how low the, the passing game volume has been, which a lot of people gives you kind of a case to buy low on Baldwin because I think they've also benefited greatly um, from just awful opponents, just blowout type of things. Yes, they had the Rams game, which they still stayed pretty run heavy. It was a 30 to 33 shootout. But other than that, their last three opponents have just been abysmal. The Cowboys only put up 13, mm. Cardinals only 17, Raiders three in this dysfunctional attack. So it's not like they've been really tested. And I think that defense is horrible. 
I really do. Even yeah. though the numbers aren't backing up what I'm saying, just by looking at their roster, no, I bad. really don't think I don't think this is a good Seahawks defense, especially no. after losing Earl Thomas. And then you look at the the coming opponents outside the bye. Uh, you know, there's only two contests against the 49ers. Those might be low scoring affairs, but other than that, they're facing. All top half teams, Lions, Chargers, Rams, Packers, Panthers, Vikings, Chiefs, all of those project as potential shootouts or just blowing out the, the, the horrible Seahawks defense, in which case you get catch up Russell Wilson, and that means you get catch up right. his top target. That's- that's uh, you know, Doug Baldwin. So these passing game, you know, these low passing volume to me seems like it's going to flip if you look ahead to the schedule. And if that does happen, then the top target, Doug Baldwin, who just, again, confirmed his health, confirmed his spot atop that totem pole. I like that. I like the usage moving forward. I think he makes a sneaky, sneaky buy low right now. You've convinced me. That was a good pit. That was okay. a good sales pitch. All right. There you go. I tried my best. All right. David Njoku, who you were high on last week, too. And mm-hmm. so this is two in a row, the rare two in a row for the Wolf, so you must be really high on this guy now, or maybe Absolutely. just really high. Tops the Browns and targets, finds the end zone in a, in a loss. Uh, talk to me about David Njoku. I mean, a week after having a season-high 11 targets, he goes and tops that with 12 uh, and coming up with even more yardage. So he sets career highs in back-to-back weeks. Ever since the the Njoku show has seen Baker Mayfield under center, his value has been steadily climbing and then exploded for the number one scoring uh, tight end this week. Um, Again, you know, He's had now 176 yards and a touchdown over the three games Mayfield's played. Obviously, this last week, 70 and a score, his uh, his or 55 and a score, excuse me, has been by far his most productive. It just seems like it's going to continue rising. This was the, actually the hardest matchup too he had on the calendar for rest of season. We talked about this last week, but the, out of the the rest of season schedule, now this one crossed out. He has uh, I think seven remaining games. And six of them, or I'm sorry, uh, nine remaining games, and eight of them come against bottom eight opponents. So he's doing this against the hardest possible matchup he had on the schedule. That rapport just only rising. The volume's only rising. Their wideouts just keep getting banged up left and right. So that steady number two target, I mean, this week, number one target, even more so than Jarvis Landry, that's just locked in even more so. A uh, big week for him, and I just think it continues to, to play out that way with such a soft slate moving forward. Love David Yoku, what he's doing right now. What do you think about Jarvis Landry right now? We have him on the followers, so we'll be talking about him in a second. Oh, yeah, we sure do. All right, good. Can't wait <laughs> to hear what you have to say. All right. Uh, I, I do have a lot to say about Let's Jarvis, go to followers sure. right now. Let's start with Jordan. Do you Jordan. want to just go to Jarvis no, right away? No, let's go to Jordan Howard because I, okay. I mean, I'm a Tariq Cohen owner, so yep. I, I enjoy hearing about this. Jordan Howard fumbling away lead role as Tariq Cohen shines again. Man, did he ever. Oh, man, that guy is an absolute monster right now, Tariq Cohen is. And the opposite can be said for Jordan Howard. Under five fantasy points for two straight weeks now, which is just abysmal. It's a nightmare, and it's only growing darker. He actually looked decent on his 14 carries by, you know, 69 yards. Was probably his most efficient per carry game, but fumbles on the goal line, which obviously ended up proving very costly. Mm. uh, Ultimately kind of cost him the game here. And obviously getting outplayed and outshined by Tariq Cohen another week in a row. Explodes for 120 yards, uh, another touchdown, 12 touches, seven catches. Seven or nine catches. Is like 90 yards, right? Exactly. Yeah, 90 yards in the receiving game, which is where he's so deadly. That's, again, what we envisioned when we were all about this guy all summer. You heard me and the truth raving about him. Uh, we've wrote millions of articles, even Fantasy Pros. That was my, my number one running back bargain. That's all starting to play out, which I love to see. But obviously, it's coming at the expense now of Jordan Howard. He's seen his snap rates drop, start at 73%, then he became 63%, then 54%. Last week, uh, before the bye, when Tariq Cohen had his first explosion, 
division. And then you're like, all right, bye week. Maybe they it tilts back to Jordan Howard's favor. Maybe it was just the Bucks' awful pass defense, and that was just the matchup to exploit. And then it comes back, and it's 51%, his lowest snap rate, uh, Jordan Howard, of the year. And again, Tariq Cohen, it clearly wasn't just a product of an awful Bucks defense. Miami's defense isn't great either. We talked about it. it was, no. Cohen was our favorite running back matchup of the week, and he seriously exploited it yet again. So at this point, you know, which one would you rather own moving forward? It has to be Tariq Cohen, the way he just seems much more game flow proof, whether they're up big, whether they're in a tight situation, whether they're down. All three of those situations seem to now favor Tariq Cohen. Howard will stay involved. It will be about a 50-50 split, my imagination, just because Cohen's not built for true workhorse duties. But 50-50 split, I'm taking the guy that's much more efficient, much more effective, much more explosive, uh, and that's Tariq Cohen, and it's very clear at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's a playbreaker. You're going 50-50, and I, I agree. I don't see Howard's uh, share going down much, but Cohen gets 50% of the snaps. I mean, He's going to probably produce substantially more than Howard unless Howard's getting a goal line carry. Of course, would I you think- ever trust the guy to carry the ball on the goal line again? Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, that I mean that's the scariest part is I think they will go back to him. He's been I such a too. good short yardage back throughout his career. So there is upside. I think you bring up a good point. Like, would you buy low on Howard? I mean, I might lowball his his owner and see how low I can try to snag him for, but then it's also kind of like it's almost Amari Cooper-ish, I guess. I was like going to say, maybe if you could like get him for Amari Cooper or something. <laughs> but it's like, they're so similar to me because they both have the name value and they have so much upside that you can't sit them. And then they just keep ruining your week. And maybe one week they win you, but it doesn't matter because it's been three or four weeks. They've costed you now while you wait for it. And that ratio just never works out for fantasy. And that seems to me what Howard is. So when a lot of people might say to buy low – uh, I'm not really buying low, and I'm not selling him because, like, what are you going to get at this point? But it's just it, – he looks like to me like that Armari Cooper kind of guy at the running back position. This yeah, year. I'm, I mean, I'm not close-minded to buying low on him, but I'm also not, like, f- looking to see who owns him right. in my league and, like, pr- approaching them. Exactly. <laughs> He's not, I'm not looking for Howard exactly. Now, no. Jarvis Landry, this is a guy I actually have something invested in. I own him in multiple leagues. He surprisingly is sputtering with Baker Mayfield, I'll say – I mean, I think he had two catches. Um, I mean, he was by far, if he showed up, I wouldn't have been on eggshells that entire game. He had three fantasy points for me. I think he was targeted nine times. Uh, I didn't get to actually see the game. So Mm -hmm. did you see any of it? And what, what was going on? I didn't watch a ton of the game, no, because I was just watching the red zone, and clearly the Browns right, were not making in the many red zone plays. <laughs> the only thing I was seeing there was Melvin Gordon just ripping touchdown after touchdown and making my fantasy dreams very wet. It was incredible. Uh, but Jarvis Landry, the opposite of wet dreams, just complete blue, ball, blue balls mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Two of nine targets, a pathetic 11 yards, his worst game since 2015. Uh, so, I mean, that's quite some time that we've seen Jarvis Landry this poorly used and this, uh, you know, this type of yardage. Just inexcusable and awful fantasy dud that probably costs a lot of people weeks and you know this has not been exactly what we expected you know Jarvis Landry has that an intermediate you know route skills that are unrivaled and Baker Mayfield the most accurate quarterback to come out in so many years it seemed like a fantasy match in heaven once Mayfield took over they blew up in that Jets Thursday night game and you're just like this is going to be amazing and it just hasn't uh, you know manifested so far he's got 29 targets in those three games so the, the target share is still healthy still great volume but he's only got 11 catches that's a 
37% rate for Jarvis Landry. That's absurd. He's one of the highest percent catch guys in Miami. Uh, plus, the, I mean, the usage, the routes, we'll get to that in a second. I get why. But it's only 114 scoreless yards in Mayfield's last three, or one touchdown, sorry, in Mayfield's three starts. The wide receiver, 34 in that span. So it's been ugly. It's been hideous. But I also think he's a worthwhile buy low. Uh, oh, yeah. That's leading up to me saying his owners, I even threw out a couple trade offers, and a few guys were like, yeah, it won't take much. This guy's a bum. So test the guys out right now because they're probably fed out with uh, with Landry. And you look at a couple things that make him a great buy low. The first is I do like the expanded usage. He's he's being used his route. The way they measure this fan is pro football focus is the average depth of target. So how right. deep he is when he gets his looks. It was 6.3 last year. Pathetic. It never was used deep. That's gone up to 10.2. That's what we predicted under Todd Haley. He's going to run a more expansive, more vertical route tree. And we've seen that come to fruition. That's come at the expense of his efficiency and his overall yardage. But you imagine that will eventually play out. And again, 8.8 yards per reception versus 12.6 this year. I like that usage. I like that he's going more downfield. And I do think eventually that, that yields much bigger games moving forward. But And that's especially true. When you got this type of schedule coming up, he faces uh, his buys not until week 11. And in that four games until then, he faces Tampa Bay, second most fantasy points to receivers, Pittsburgh, fourth most points, Kansas City, which is surprising to me, 14th most points. So they're right in the middle of the pack, but they just look awful on defense. So it's not like I'm worried about that. And then Atlanta, the fifth most points, all of those games are going to be shootouts, or at least they're going to be behind and need to throw. Those are all very favorable for Landry. So if he continues getting used creatively like he is under Todd Haley, if him and Mayfield can finally forge that rapport, which I expect him to, they're both hard workers, they're both quality talents, they're going to figure this out, and they got the matchups to get right here. I think it starts with Tampa Bay, he blows up this week and just goes on a much better run, and is that wide receiver one we're expecting. So buy low while he's as depressed as can be right now, because I think he's going to have a nice stretch run here yeah i tend to agree with you sometimes it's hard to be objective when you own stock in the guy but i mean you know if you look at just targets overall like i i looked him up a week ago and you had your usual suspects at the time you had your mike thomas's you had your deandre hopkins guys like that they're all at the top and then like fifth or sixth in the league was landry and the only difference was that he was uh catching about 50 percent of the passes thrown to him and the other guys were catching like like 80% or something like that. So, I mean, you got to like the targets. So hopefully they keep coming and I agree. He's a good buy low. Corey Davis dragged down by the Titans pathetic offense. I actually, I don't want to take you to task here, but calling the Titans offense pathetic is really being generous. (laughs) Uh, What a shit show. I know. God, but, I mean, listen, I had the Ravens defense in three leagues this week. Me so too. I felt pretty, pretty good <laughs> ding, about ding, things. Ding. Right, right. Uh, 11 <laughs> sacks. I mean, good God. Uh, Absolutely. And just for the record, they're facing the Chargers who are often available on waiver wires right now, too. So I know it has nothing to do with Corey Davis. No, no, no. It, it's plug. worthwhile. Worth noting. The Chargers defense that was getting after Mayfield very well. Uh, they they had Taylor Luan, their left tackle, had, was out, and clearly that made a humongous difference. So anyone facing the Titans is streamable until this line gets right. One of the better lines when they're all healthy, but they're real banged up right now, and it's clearly causing it just an awful offensive engine. They can't do anything right now, and Corey Davis is going down with the ship. I mean, Matt LaFleur's scheme is complex, but eventually we expected him to get it right and blow up because he is tied to the, the last two offenses he's been 
been tied to have been the top scoring offenses in the league. And it's just not translating right now, whether that's Mariota and he's just not that good, or if it's just everything around him sucks. It's kind of probably a combination of both. But Corey Davis being dragged down again with that ship uh, just has one catch for 24 yards in this just romping by the Ravens, getting absolutely destroyed. And I don't know how you could trust him moving forward. People keep labeling him a low-end wide receiver, too. He's still getting the volume. But I just, until that line gets fixed, until that overall offense shows me any semblance of life, I can't trust Corey Davis. And I, I thought can't of trust anybody in that offense. You should just have the Titans offense thrown up there. Because, I mean, is there anybody you feel comfortable putting out there? Oh, I, who? Dion? Nope. Not Dion Lewis. No, not Derrick Henry. If I caught, oh, no. It, it's it's awful. So until that offense gets right, if it ever gets right, I feel like all Titans have to hit your bench. I mean, maybe Davis and bye weeks. The volume is there, so you could throw them out in the right matchup in a bye week. But it, until we see it, we've only seen one explosion. And it was a twenty-six pointer, and it looked great. Nine catches on fifty. It was a great game that really looked like he was primed to jump up to a, a wide receiver one kind of target hog. Just three weeks ago, I feel like we were raving about him in the risers or i was at least uh but it, since then he's just crumbled he's crashed and it's just way too inconsistent to trust unless you're just des- desperate naeem hines this is a guy we've ridden a roller coaster with this year huh oh yeah drops a touchdown pass invisible and marlon max solid return um mm. yeah that pretty much says that sums it up pretty well Right, exactly. Anytime Mac's been on the field, Hines really hasn't done much, and that just was further validated. There was some hope that he's been so productive, especially as a pass catcher, since uh, Mac's been out, that Hines would be the more used, more consistent running back there. But that obviously was not the case with Mac leading the backfield uh, with his 13 touches. 89 yards, pretty solid day uh, for Marlon Mack, and obviously the exact opposite for Hines, who dropped just an easy, easy touchdown pass, which could have salvaged his day. Otherwise, did completely nothing. 35 total yards, two catches, just a pathetic, you know, five-point PPR fantasy performance after going 16 for a couple weeks in a row. It's just, it's a dreadful committee. I don't really want any part of this. If all three of them are healthy, they're working out Thomas Rawls today, so he might end up getting signed and just make it even uglier. It's it's again also the the pass happiest offense in the league at eighty percent, so the running game just has no real value. Yeah. Hines, if, if moving forward, who do I want to own out of any of them? I mean, Mac was the lead guy, but Hines to me probably feels the safest with that consistent receiving role on lock. But in such a just disgusting multi-headed committee, it's just nothing I want a part of at this point, unless one of them gets eliminated with injury. I mean, if I knew that that they were all going to stay healthy, which obviously I don't, I would rather have Mac than Hines. Yes, he's the guy that everybody was blowing smoke about in the preseason. And yeah, stuff. Jim Irsay, what two K yard rusher, some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it wasn't just him. I mean, they were they were really trying to pump that guy up. I would say that they at least want him to be the guy. So mm-hmm. if I knew everyone was to be healthy, I'd invest in him. But I agree with you; I'm not touching that backfield. Yeah. Penny stocks Albert Wilson turning into a yak monster in the Dolphins' win. Of course, we're talking about mm-hmm. yards after the catch. The guy's got some wheels. Absolutely, four four three speed uh, and plays even faster than that in my opinion. Six catches, 155 yards, two TDs. One of them, the, the game winning 75 yard touchdown. Not game winning, but pretty much Might as well put it been. in overtime to exactly uh, the go ahead, whatever you would call that. It, he made seven guys miss on that, so he's incredibly nimble and shifty when he's got it in, the, in his hands. He runs like a running back, even though he's only five nine. Has great open field vision, and then when he gets the seam, he, he's gone. He just burns everybody. 
everybody and nobody comes close. Uh, everyone keeps saying, well, don't invest too much. He's a little bit too boom or bust. And yes, I guess so. He's had three kind of duds with three humongous games. So that defines boom or bust, but he's boomed a lot more than let's say Kenny Stills, who's been on, you know, 90% of the snaps, Danny Amendola and on 80% of the snaps yet Wilson, who's only been on 60% of the snaps leads the team in receptions at 32 yardage at 359 and touchdowns at four. So the guy's been by far their best receiver. His role is kind of increased by the week. This was his most targeted game. And obviously he delivered when it mattered most. Maybe that's partly because Brock Osweiler was under center <laughs> your favorite Brock Osweiler, <laughs> but he actually played surprisingly competent but a, a great chunk of that was the yards after the catch racked up by Albert Wilson I think he it was aided to 290 yards after the catch uh, Brock Osweiler got so I mean it was a yak monster performance that's Adam Gase's system though is very screen heavy uh, relies on giving you these opportunities in space and nobody's fitting that better right now than Albert Wilson who he shelled out 14 million for so clearly he was envisioning this role for him Matt Nagy went out and tried to get him and he's a screen game maestro so both of these guys scouted Wilson, who loves screen receivers. As soon as he's gotten the, the you know volume increased, he has a 30-point fantasy day. I think that upside is definitely worth investing on in the waiver wire. I'll throw down about 15, 20 free agency budget uh, down on him because it's a flex that can just swing you a week. I get that he could disappear, but even his disappearances, he's had like five or six. It's not like he's just been a complete zero. So I, I really like this guy moving forward. I think Gase just increases his role uh, each week, and he just has more and more of these blowups. He's a special talent that's usage is only going up right now all right frank gore big week for him <laughs> celebrated his 54th birthday and also <laughs> topped 100 yards leading the miami backfield uh and usage and production and all that good stuff and Kenyon drake man he almost single hand speaking of goal line fumbles <laughs> man that guy got let off the hook big time yeah and you had to feel for him too i, I like, did oh, feel God. for him he felt he his hand, head was buried in his hands which is that totally how you should be reacting Absolutely. by the way i'm glad to see that from you know too many guys like sitting there just don't not nonchalant so you feel for the guy he made a couple big plays in that comeback drive so thankfully drake he played well he had his highest usage of the year but gore had even more usage than that he's now had double digit fantasy points shockingly in uh two of his last threes back from the grave again 54th birthday like you said uh, going over the century mark, I think he's the first running back to do that for the Dolphins in a, like a year or so. So, I mean, the guy is playing well despite his age. He just never goes down. Uh, he's still yardage at, yards after contact monster. I don't get how it's happening. 32-yard run in overtime just to hammer at the goal line. Probably the, the more trusted guy at this point, too, obviously after Drake's bumble. You imagine Gore's going to be that guy in the red zone moving forward. So you got to like what you're seeing. He's out there in almost every league under 10% owned. And at this point, he's the, the higher used guy in this committee, and he's being very productive, as he always is. So the nutcracker continues. Gore is just a monster. And you got to look, look long and hard at him on the waiver wire for sure. Long and hard. That's how like, you yeah. want to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was hoping you'd do something with that oh, one. Well, I just repeated what you said. That was all it took. <laughs> yeah, Frank Gore, I mean, I'd say it's safe to say the guy's going to keep his spot in the Nutcracker set, which is a big deal. I mean, he's probably, what, like the 15th, 20th best running back in the league still? I mean, just like as far as just talent, probably? Uh, it's crazy, and I love Drake. I think Drake's a more talented guy, but... Uh, sure, he's like, he's like 12 years younger than Gore. 
Right, exactly. They clearly love that dependability, that sturdiness, the, the Honda Civic that just doesn't break down and keeps getting the job done. That's Frank Gore right now. Might not be exciting, but as a if you need a steady flex, it seems like this guy's going to be good for 12 to 20 carries anywhere in that range every single week, and you can roll that out for sure. If you need a steady, reliable, long, thick, hard flex, <laughs> this is the guy that you want to look for. Absolutely. All right, last but not least, Christian Kirk emerging as Josh Rosen's uh, Rosen's top target uh, in Arizona, which is, you know, it's kind of like being like the thinnest member of the tub club or something like that. (laughs) But (laughs) congratulations, Christian Kirk. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, I mean, it, it's obviously not the most juicy landing spot for the guy when Josh nope. Rosen hasn't shown much in this Arizona offense in general is god awful. But any top target is worth noting. And obviously, when you have Larry Fitz there, you'd assume this wonder that's been just the Frank Gore of wide receivers never gets old, never fades would be the guy. But this is actually the year that Larry Fitz looks human and might actually be done. And Christian Kirk stepped up nicely in his absence, had a 75 yard score last week. So he's got the big playability this week operating more of a target hog type of role six of seven catches 77 yards so very efficient day uh catching pretty much everything thrown his way so far and him and rosen just have clicked from day one ever since he got into the game josh rosen it's what that that coveted second team scout team you know bond that i just always love to see they've built that rapport up before and rosen just hasn't let that go clearly and he's, he still loves kirk it's the top guy and any top guy especially in a team that's playing from behind quite often because they're just god awful christian kirk only 14 percent owned well well worth a, a heavy waiver wire look to me I, you know as much as i raved about albert wilson and that guy's the higher ceiling prospect kirk seems to have a very steady floor again your ceiling is capped when you're t- tied to josh rosen there's only so high you can get uh but but still a nice steady seven to ten target floor at 14 percent owned is somebody that you must look at this week on the waiver wire it, it- it's hard for me to even talk about the Cardinals because, I mean, isn't it just sad what's going on with David Johnson? Ah, oh, just tanked. He, it's he, just off. He got like, I, I feel like I heard a stat where it's like in the last, like, I mean, he got, I mean, on like two targets or something last week, something like that. I mean, he's a, such a great receiving back. He's like Le'Veon Bell good. I know. And it's just, yeah, it's a, what a waste. How sad. I mean, he, he, it's as much as hate as he gets, though, he's stayed relatively consistent in terms of a floor. He scored almost every week. I'm not he's, hating on him. I, I think right. he's amazing. And I, I think right. he's still probably by points. I want to say he's, he's what, RB17 or something like that? Oh, but probably even a little bit higher now. After a couple of touchdowns in the last few weeks, I think he's yeah. got four or five scores in the last four games. So, I yeah. mean,. He's been doing okay fantasy-wise. It's just he used to have that limitless cheat code Todd Gurley-esque ceiling, and that's clearly just not there, especially for a guy that was going – Two, three overall in a lot of drafts. Most people taking him above Zeke, obviously over Kamara and Saquon. It's it, that's where the opportunity cost comes into play. He's been serviceable, he's been steady, but it costs you one of these absolute cheat codes, and that's what's killing you. I mean, Melvin Gore. Talk about cheat codes. What about Melvin freaking Gore? We don't talk about him on here, but holy shit, is there? I mean, Gurley's still your number one, I imagine. Yep. But who would you take after Gurley? Wow, uh, probably Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's that's who I maybe I Kamara. I mean, I don't know, but I mean yeah. now that I've I haven't seen Kamara do it yet. Now that Ingram's back, I expect him to still be good. I don't think his stock is plummeting or anything like that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be tough not to go with Gordon. The Chargers offense is just extremely efficient. Uh, we talked about Rivers last week, and, and Gordon's getting it done. Let me ask you a, a question, the, a complete other side of the coin, just and sure. then, we, then we'll take off. Uh, who's the worst quarterback in the NFL? Like starting Brock Osweiler? Qu- <laughs> starting quarterback. Does Brock Osweiler count or no? No, I guess we'll put Tannehill in that spot. I guess how I, how could I how could I even say Brock Osweiler though after? I mean, you know, I, I was going to say I, I don't think he's the answer just for whatever it's worth, even as awful uh, as he is. The worst quarterback in the league on the spot right here. I mean, there's an obvious answer, and I just, for whatever reason, it's not coming to my mind right now. I, I mean, Derek Carr is pretty fucking horrible. Yeah, he's in the conversation. <laughs> takes a lot of hits, but I think he's, it's he's Eli Manning, dude. I think oh, he, I think yeah, yeah. he's the worst quarterback in the league. I just, right. I told you that OBJ could not do anything substantial with that guy. I thought he was that bad. And I got to say, now I've watched two Giants games this year, which is two more than I wanted to watch because they're the worst watch in the NFL. Even as, even as great as Barkley is, they're the worst watch in the NFL. It's gone off. And, it's awful. I mean, and it's like I, I've always been down on Beckham, but I see Beckham trying to make things happen, and I'm just like I've, I've grown more and more sympathetic to Beckham. I see him like he'll get like these two-yard passes because all of Eli's passes are two-yard passes. And yeah. and I'll see Beckham get eleven yards out of him or something like that, and it's just like, man, this guy. I haven't seen him catch any ball uh, more than eight yards down the field like all season. It, it's terrible. Like the guy is so bad. I mean, Eli. absolutely. I think you're spot on. He is by far the worst quarterback in the league, and this is why. I, I'm moving into next year. Another kind of just season long takeaway for me is I got to be more of a slave to the uh, the fantasy stock formula that we use because if I was grading surrounding talent like genuinely looking at Eli Manning, he shouldn't have been higher than a at this point he's no higher than like a one for surrounding talent. It's as bad as I mean Nathan Peterman actually is starting and Josh Allen. That's in contention with Eli. Not, well, I can but, I put Josh Allen in the like they're close. But there's at least upside. There's long term. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'd way rather Eli have Manning. Josh Allen than Eli Manning. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, maybe not. Peter yeah, I, I agree with you there. It goes to prove, you know, just how important surrounding talent is because the volume's there, the talent's there. He's third in targets right now, but nothing is happening for Eli. I mean, uh, for Odell because Eli is just that god awful. And, and for his part, the uh, Odell, what I fucking can't stand about the guy, you just made 95 million, oh, yeah. 65 guaranteed, yeah. and you're throwing fucking hissy fits on the sideline. You're yelling at water coolers. You're going in at halftime early when your team still has the ball like that type of shit blows my mind that you can get paid that type of money to be a franchise player after you bitch all summer about your contract and then you come out and act like this this is your franchise player giants that is your franchise fucking player that you just invested everything in that's why you're the giants that's why you're god awful and that's it makes me so happy as a patriots fan because they've always been the thorn that's always the team i've hated the most but i agree with you fully eli manning is god awful there's a lot of people you know buy low on Odell Beckham but how can you no this you can't you can't you'd never get him low enough and you'd right, be frustrated exactly. once you got him because you'd be like it's oh off. it's like got to." Re-. anyway my, my daughter just handed me this and then we'll take off she just handed Let's me a, a press release it says put this on the podcast giants stink and then she says <laughs> I don't have anything against them you don't. You just you said should. they stunk. Right. It's okay if you do. We we know they stink. Anyway, she agrees. The Giants stink. All right. Uh, you got any social media you want to pump?
Of course, you can find me personally at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat. Hit me up with any sit start trade, all questions. That's my whole goal of the season is to answer every single question that comes in. You can find the main site pages, Roto Street Journal on Facebook. Make sure you're following that one for our sit start shows and all that on Sunday, as well as Instagram. We're going to try to debut the sit start show on Instagram as well. Great interactions going on on the IG, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. And of course, as Nat, the truth pointed out, for the podcast, we are your lead blockers. We're going to pave that path to titles. So if you don't like it already, don't subscribe already, smash that button. Let us block your way to a title the rest of 2018. There's still plenty of time, whether you're in the gutter, whether you're already in first and in great shape. We'll make sure you stay there. We'll keep you clawing out of the basement if that's where you're at. Uh, but that that's our goal. Gritty, tough yards. We're going to get them for you on the fantasy gridiron here. And, and another great episode of Stock Watch. I love what's going on. So let us know your thoughts if you're enjoying it too. All right, my name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. Best of luck moving forward in week seven, guys. We used Later. to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. First effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.